0: What's going on everybody and welcome into another edition of b Shave Daily. Glad to be back here with you on what is now Wednesday, June 3rd, following a Cardinals win over the Dodgers 3-2 on Tuesday night. An exciting one out in Los Angeles as Tyler O'Neill steals the show for the Cardinals. Gets them back into a, the win column after a couple of losses. Wrapping up the Arizona series, they lost that final game and then losing on Monday to the Dodgers did the Cardinals by a score of 9-4 to four in that one. A lot of content that we would have to discuss here since we last did the podcast. I told you guys late last week that you wouldn't hear from me for a few days as I was away for Memorial Day weekend. But bouncing back here, here's what we're going to do tonight. Since it's late night, the West Coast games continue to just absolutely do a number on our sleep schedules. We're going to talk about this most recent game, the 3-2 winner by the Cardinals over Los Angeles on Tuesday. Not probably going to get into the previous couple of games as not as interesting to talk about the losses anyway. And we've got bigger news to discuss as the Cardinals lose Jack Flaherty for the foreseeable future. So talking about what that means for the Cardinals rotation moving forward, definitely bigger news than getting into the minutiae of some of the weekend games. So that's the way we're going to approach this podcast. Appreciate you guys for being back on board with me here. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts so you won't miss any future episodes. Let's first get into the game from Tuesday, and then we'll talk about Jack Flaherty a little later in the show. Tyler O'Neill, a bright spot for the Cardinals right now, as he has been red hot since returning from the injured list Entered today's game, or I should say yesterday's game, since it's now past well past midnight local time. It, it was past midnight when the ball game ended. It's about 2 30 a.m. right now. Tyler O'Neill home runs in four of five games entering this one, and then he goes two for four tonight, but that wasn't going to be enough for the Cardinals to win this game. Cardinal said, Yeah, we need a little more from you. So what's he do? He goes right back to the well and steals a big base there in the ninth inning. Which had to be a little bit of a mental hurdle for him. And he was asked about that and said, Yeah, maybe a little bit, but you don't, you know, by that point it's too late. You don't have time to think about it when you're in the moment. And the Cardinals needed that bag at that point in time and he got it done. Said he was lucky. Thank God he had the oven mitt on to protect that finger because he had the fractured finger May 16th against San Diego. That's how he landed on the injured list in the first place for the second time because previously in the season, back in April, I believe it was, he had the groin issue that landed him on the IL and then back again for the finger this time and so missed eight games with that injury comes back has the interlocked grip that he's working with to relieve a little of the pressure on that finger when he's batting and that's actually worked out really well for him says he's an avid golfer in the offseason and so this swing kind of reminiscent of what you would would do as a golfer and It hasn't impacted him negatively in any way, and certainly the power has still been there for O'Neal. Raised his OPS entering tonight to 925, and then tacked on a 2-for-4 game on top of that, as I mentioned. But the key here was stealing the bag in the ninth. Cardinals needed it. Didn't get the offense going against the Dodger bullpen until that inning against Blake Trinan. It was David Price who started this game for Los Angeles. The almost Cardinal, of course. And the Cardinals got to him right away. Top of the order against David Price tonight was really strong. Five for five as Edmund and Carlson both notch a couple of hits. Edmund's first swing from the right side looked really smooth. Thought he might have gotten all of that ball, but it just goes for a double. Tommy two bags back at it again, but he hits twice. Carlson hits twice and Goldschmidt with a double in his first at bat. And that was all she wrote for David Price. Cardinals get a couple of runs there. Bullpen Joe Kelly comes in, does a nice job to keep it right there. And for the middle innings, innings two through eight, essentially, the Dodgers hold the Cardinals off the board. John Gant, the starter for St. Louis, continues to just get the job done. And I saw some commentary I saw from somebody that I respect, but I saw a tweet that suggested John Gant might be the worst starter in Major League Baseball, I thought that was a ridiculous take. I didn't say anything about it, but uh, if you're listening to the podcast, love you, but that was that was a wrong take. I get that the whip is really high. He pitches around traffic in literally every outing that he has, but at some point you do have to give a guy credit for what takes place in the baseball game, and I'm not saying it's sustainable. I don't think that John Gant could do this Cowboy Houdini routine all throughout the remainder of the season and finish with an ERA practically higher than his whip, if I'm not mistaken. His whip was a little over 1.5, I believe, coming into this game. His ERA after it is down to 1.606 scoreless innings for John Gantt. But for right now, whether it's sustainable or not, I think you got to give the guy credit for what he's been able to accomplish. He's pitching to his defense. He's walking guys, had three more walks tonight, but it's not been debilitating for him because he's been able to scatter the base runners and find ways out of innings. Tonight he got, you know, lucky, which you could say has happened in many of his outings, which is why you could, you know, criticize him as a starter if you want. But the RA for what it is right now, is really special. It's keeping the Cardinals in games. And certainly tonight in the sixth inning got the benefit of defense. An incredible catch by Tommy Edmond with the hops at second base to snare a line drive. And then Dylan Carlson, the center fielder on the sinking liner, was able to get That ball into his glove to end the inning. John Gant, six more innings, scoreless. I don't know how he does it. I don't know that he's going to continue to do it. But for right now, Cardinals will absolutely take it, especially given the Jack Flaherty news, which we will get into here in just a few minutes. But taking that 2-0 lead did the Cardinals into the seventh inning. Giovanni Yehagos gives up the homer to Matt Beatty. Uh, Gio has been one of the Cardinals' most reliable relievers over the last couple few years. It's just one of those nights. Of course, he did come back for a second inning of work. And the Cardinals, again, in a position where they really needed it because they just haven't been able to trust the middle relief types out of their bullpen, and that's gotten them into some jams of late. But in this situation, Mike Schultz said, we're just going to stick with Gallegos for a second inning, ride him until the wheels fall off. Fortunately, they did not. Gio able to get through that eighth which set up the opportunity for the Cardinals to mount the charge in the ninth inning, which was led by the Tyler O'Neal stolen base. So let's get back into it. Here's how O'Neal made the impact. And if you missed the end of the game, we're going to break it down for you because understandably it was pretty late by the time this thing got over. So O'Neal steals that bag. Edmundo Sosa, has really impressed me with what he's been able to do in regular playing time so far this season in the absence of Paul DeYoung, at shortstop, he's done a fine job defensively, as we've talked about on the show. And in this case, offensively, which he's had good offensive numbers as well. Started to trail off a little bit, but came up with a really clutch hit here. And it was all situational hitting. He sees Tyler O'Neill take that base. He's facing Blake Trident a guy with a lot of movement on his pitches. They were alluding to it on the broadcast that this is a guy who, wow, his RPMs, his, his vertical, his horizontal movement on this breaking stuff. In an era where we're talking a lot more about, you know, potential foreign substance use, things of that nature, to get extra movement on pitches, kind of thought the broadcast was kind of winking at that fact with uh, Blake Trinan, who's who's always been nasty, but has certainly had had those those type of effect on his pitches this season. But then again, I saw a video of Brandon Woodruff, the starter for the Brewers, going to his glove. Somebody compiled it on Twitter going to his glove constantly and showing the RPM increase. I think this is stuff that's going to continue to happen. And as fans and and media and YouTubers and different people, you know, John Boy really came to prominence with the Houston Astros situation and the way he was the super sleuth to try to uncover a lot of what was going on with with the trash cans situation a couple of years ago. And so you got guys like John Boy, they're gonna be out on the lookout for this kind of stuff. Guys go into their glove with their pitching hand constantly. That's probably a sign that they've got something in there that MLB should check out. And so we'll see if anything continues to come of that this season. I wasn't watching Trinan closely enough to know if he was going to the glove or not, but uh certainly that was it was kind of a, a little wink and a nod, I think, by the Cardinals television broadcast tonight with regard to Blake Trinan. But nevertheless, gets into a situation with Edmundo Sosa where he's just trying to to put the ball on the ground. He's showing bunt, guy's crafty on the mound, you're going to be crafty at the plate. And Sosa said after the game, once O'Neill had taken that base, it shifted his mentality entirely for the at-bat just to say, hey, we got to play some small ball here, i got to find a way to move this runner over. And that means usually getting the ball on the ground. Tough to face a pitcher like Trinan and be able to get the ball on the ground where you want it. Hit it to the left side of the infield is not necessarily the way to get the runner over if they're able to get a glove on it. But in this case, they weren't able to do so. Total chopper off the bat of Edmundo Sosa gets through the left side of the infield and scores Tyler O'Neill easily one of the fastest players in baseball. Edmundo Sosa was asked after the game, who's faster between you and Tyler? And he had a smile on his face and he said, Tyler, Edmundo uses uh, interpreter Antonio Mujica, the Cardinal Spanish interpreter, to answer most of his questions but to answer this one he just laughed and said Tyler even though Sosa considered by stack cast sprint speed one of the faster players across baseball as well so the Cardinals got some hidden speedsters that have have gained some attention and some prominence based on the metrics for their their job with what they can do on the ground Harrison Bader is of course on that list as well on the injured list right now for the Cardinals Cardinals getting pretty beat up losing some of these guys I saw them uh, do a read and ad read for the uh, upcoming series at Bush stadium, which begins on Thursday against the Cincinnati Reds. And I believe over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when they do the next kind of Jersey giveaway. That's going to be a mystery Jersey. I think they're doing the baby blues, but some of the players that could be featured on these jerseys. How about Jack Flaherty, Paul DeYoung, and miles Michaelis. None of whom are currently on the active roster, because they are all hurt. So kind of a bummer. But hopefully you get to see those guys back in action. Whether it's soon or at some point this season. Before we get into the Flairy stuff though. Let's wrap up this conversation on the ball game Tuesday. By mentioning yes O'Neill getting the job done with his wheels to score the run. But then you bring in Alex Reyes who has not given up a run on the road this season. It's always an adventure, though, with Reyes. This time he gets the first couple of outs before walking a guy. Has a battle with Cody Bellinger. Really nice pitch. Fastball up above the strike zone that he got Bellinger to chase. I thought he was going to put him away, but Bellinger, one of the best hitters going, and he gets a base hit into center field, which sets up an at-bat against Mookie Betts. And off the bat, I thought Mookie Betts had just won the game for the Dodgers, but Tyler O'Neill wasn't so quick to give up on it sprinting full speed toward the left field corner, leaping into the air and making a walk-off catch. Like you hear about a walk-off hit all the time, but if you're the road team in an environment like that, that's a walk-off catch if I've ever seen one. Incredible play by O'Neill, especially given the circumstances. He was absolutely hyped up after the game. You could see the veins popping out of his neck when he was celebrating that catch. Huge play to get the Cardinals off the schneid as they'd lost a couple in a row. Saved him from a losing streak. O'Neill did it all tonight. He was tremendous for the Cardinals. And after the game on the Zoom, you saw the significant road rash that he had on that arm. I believe it was his right arm. I'm bad it mirrors. So when a guy's facing me in Zoom, I have to kind of remember is that image mirrored? What's it look like? Either way, one of his arms, Tyler O'Neill, huge rash from that stolen base that he had in the top of the ninth. But he basically just said, well, that's what you get for playing in the dirt. And he certainly played in the dirt. He was all over the field tonight making it happen for the Cardinals. Huge effort from a guy who is really coming into his own. I was looking at his stats yesterday just considering that he had hit his 12th home run of the season. It's already a career high for him. The 26 RBIs, already a career high for him. And that that isn't a career high yet in plate appearances either. He's doing it with better ratios than he's had in his previous seasons. Always has been a guy that's battled injuries here and there, battled some some inconsistencies with his performance. The raw ability's always been there. He's an he's an unbelievable athlete, just a, one of the best athletes in Major League Baseball. Keep the guy healthy, and he's going to be able to do special things. He's hitting like 270 right now. He's not going to necessarily bat that for the season, but if you can get this guy batting 240, even 250. And finding his way to to take his walks when they come to him. He's not going to be a big on-base guy. Even if the on-base, though, is around 300, 310. Which I think it's in the neighborhood of that right now. You'll take that because he could be a guy that slugs 600. I mean, he's doing it right now, slugging well over 600. He's an absolute beast. When you make a mistake to him, he punishes it. Has some ridiculous exit velocity. 12 home runs right now on the season. And, and that's with two IL stints already to his name. Tyler O'Neill, if he stays healthy, could be an absolute 30 home run candidate. And even thus far this season, when he hasn't really stayed healthy, he's already on pace for 36. Like, they're about a third of the way through the season. I believe tonight was game number 55, I want to say. And so, 12 times 3, 36. This guy could hit 40 if he if he doesn't have to miss any more time and he continues on a similar pace to, to what he's been on so far this season. You'd take 40 home runs and, and close to 100 RBIs from Tyler O'Neill, who really, if you get Arenado going, which he's had a pretty nice season, you get Goldschmidt going, which that's definitely a, a, a point of concern a little bit as we continue on. Goldie usually gets hotter as, this, as the summer does, and so we'll wait. to to pass a lot of judgment on that. Uh, Had a a good RBI double tonight, and so we'll see what he's able to do moving forward. The numbers for the season, though, just not quite there where you're expecting and accustomed to seeing Paul Goldschmidt be. But my point is, Tyler O'Neal doesn't have to be the best hitter in the lineup, or even the second best hitter in the lineup, or even if you get Dylan Carlson, where I think he's capable of being, necessarily even the third hitter in the lineup. And right now, Yadier Molina is, of course... Riding pretty high. Starting to come back down to earth. But the OPS still at 824. And so you've got these other bats in the lineup that can can help you. And you don't have to have Tyler O'Neill do it all by himself. But if he can be that power bat, he can be that number five hitter, that's where I think he would fit in really well if he can consistently get the job done. Tonight he's batting sixth. I think you've got to drop Yachty back down a little bit. Like I said, he was riding real hot, but you're looking lately. A lot of offers, getting the average down a little bit lower in the 280 range. OPS at 824, so I think where Tyler could settle into a nice groove is maybe in that 5-hole. But the point is, he's hitting no matter where you put him. And that's a huge benefit to a Cardinals lineup who's going to need some help. Absolutely going to need some help. But I, I I don't see how the Cardinals uh, can necessarily expect to get it done without making a couple of trades, really before the trade deadline at the end of July, a couple of months away. And that's going to be where we are going to be shifting our focus in a major way on the show and on Twitter. Might even break out some trade polls once again. The first name on the list is going to be Max Scherzer because the Cardinals, not only in the lineup will they, I believe, need some help as the season goes along because their depth is being tested in the outfield for sure. If you have O'Neill back healthy, that's going to be huge. Keep Dylan Carlson in there. It's a big deal. Tonight, Jose Rondon got the start in right field, though, and he's not really an outfielder. He's an infielder. Emergency situation. I saw Matt Caesar was scratched from Memphis. They might be calling him up to help out this outfield depth tomorrow. We'll see if there's a roster move made. He's not going to, even if he gets some playing time, he's not somebody I expect to have a whole lot of an impact, though. And so you talk about where you could need help in the outfield if you don't get healthy. You can need help on the infield if young, you know, if he's injured or if he comes back and isn't the same player, if Edmundo Sosa is unable to continue to ride the way he's been going, uh, he's tailed off a little bit as far as his offensive production is concerned. You just, you're going to need some more thump in that lineup, I think, to be able to consider yourselves a a real World Series contender. But where you're going to need some more help for sure is in that rotation. Jack Flaherty didn't necessarily injure it on the swing because it looked like at the plate he kind of grimaced and, and didn't look good. Evidently had felt it tweak a little bit earlier in the outing the inning prior while he was on the mound and then maybe aggravated it on the swing. But it's an oblique injury and it's one that the Cardinals don't have any expectation that it's going to be resolved quickly. Mike Schultz said it's a significant Injury, it is a tear. It is it's it is not one of those where you say they got off easy and he's going to be, you know. And with Obliques, regardless, you're thinking four to six weeks probably. But in this, because it's just an injury that tends to linger. But in this case, you know it's going to be that because they said it was serious. They said it's significant off the jump. So it's not like they're going to string you along. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jack Flaherty hit the 60-day IL. They put him on the 10-day. But I, if you figure 60 days, that's eight weeks, eight and a half weeks. I don't think Jack Flaherty, we see him within the next two months. That'd be a surprise to me. So I think post-trade deadline, you know, maybe. But then again, there's no there's no guarantee of that. This could be a three, four-month injury. We just don't know. Cardinals like to think he would pitch again this season. There's simply no guarantee of that. Same thing they said with Miles Michael, is you'd like to see him back. They just don't know. And you're not going to get very far in this rotation on wishes and rainbows, I don't think. Because you've got Johan Oviedo, who's been recalled. He has not looked good. I I talked him up earlier in the season when he had that first relief appearance. It looked like he might have really made that leap in spring training behind the closed doors of the backfields. He hasn't looked good. Cardinals are in a position right now where they feel like they've got to throw him out there, though. Jake Woodford would be my candidate. I would not give Oviedo the next start. I would see if he can kind of settle into a role in the bullpen and, and see if he can kind of build on some some confidence out there in a, in a little bit of a different role, long relief type. Woodford looked good in his last outing. I I know he's probably not built up to throw five innings, but I don't really care. I think he should make the next start in Flaherty's turn. Instead of Oviedo, uh, Ponce de Leon, I would keep him in that one-inning role. I think Ponce can be an effective leverage reliever for this team and i think the way to do it is go woodford if he can give you you know 3 innings 4 innings 75 pitches 60 to 75 however much you got to stretch him out uh, i'd say go for that and then maybe by the next turn in the rotation he's more of a traditional starter getting you 4 5 maybe 6 innings at that point if if he thrives and does well i just don't think right now oviedo every 5th day is going to it's going to work out that well i think he's got a bright future but I also don't want to see the Cardinals put him in a position that he's clearly showing he's not ready to grasp right now at this point in the season. And, and I just think you go back to the wild too many times without you know the definition of insanity. If there's no evidence that he's going to be different, maybe put him in a different role and, and see if he can thrive there as he works his way to being a consistent big league contributor. But elsewhere, you've got KK, who has had his trouble getting deep enough into games this year. You've got Gant. We've talked about what he's done. Do we think it's sustainable? Not really. Give him all the credit in the world for what he's done so far. But, you know, John Gant is your number five. You're feeling okay about that, especially with how he's performing. John Gant is your number two all of a sudden? Not really. You know, then you're, you're reliant upon needing it because you don't have those more quality, consistent arms going Elsewhere in the rotation, Wayno Cardinals are going to lean on him. Going to have to have Wayno after Jack Flaherty goes down with a significant oblique injury. Who knows how long it's going to be? I don't see any way the Cardinals can get by without adding a starter, and they should have been looking to add a significant starter like Max Scherzer anyway. I don't know what it's going to cost you. I don't really care. I think I think you got to do it. I think you. And look, I know that the other side can say, "Well, they're desperate now," you know. But if you let this slip away, the Chicago Cubs are in first place in this division, riding pretty hot right now, having overtaken you on this road trip. So, and you're going to get to see plenty of the Cubs still, and go head-to-head with them, and you know, maybe maybe it's not the Brewers that are the top dog fighting the Cardinals for this division, as I've been suggesting. Maybe it is the Cubs. Right now, it certainly looks that way. I wouldn't count the Brewers out just yet. It's a long season, but... You've got to consider that the Cubs are playing good baseball. They've always had the the potential to do it within this lineup. If you've got Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, some of these big names playing to their capability, and if they can figure it out with their young pitching as they've started to, to do recently, the Cubs can be dangerous. Cardinals cannot rest on their laurels and just assume that what they have in-house is going to get it done. You, you've got to start looking to that, and I know the Cardinals have never been a team that's particularly active in June on the trade market. You know, they'll make the occasional move. A lot of times, they're they're waiting to see how things play out. I wouldn't be surprised to see this season go similarly to that because they don't want to make a move from a position of weakness and thereby getting a a worse deal for themselves. They they want to be in a position to allow themselves to have this play out. But I don't know how long you can let that go. You're going to need these gutsy performances like you got tonight from John Gant. You're going to need a lot more of those where that came from in order to kind of tread water, it almost feels like, until you you figure out which reinforcements are viable, which ones are attainable, and maybe you go out and get them. What you need right now is every starter that goes out there to give you the best they can do. You need the bullpen to to shape up in a hurry. I think a bullpen trade on the horizon would make a lot of sense as well for St. Louis, just because I don't think you can continue to do it with smoke and mirrors with the middle relief guys that have been having trouble of late. And you saw tonight what can happen when even one of your back-end studs has a little bit of a hiccup in Gallegos. It almost costs you the game because you didn't score enough offensively. It can be a real vicious circle, if you don't have these elements of the game all working in tandem. And so offensively, yeah, you got to score more than three runs. You face David Price, a guy that you you beat up on a little bit, is not what he used to be, and so that's great. But once he came out of the game, it's like the Cardinals weren't able to get anything done against the the parade of relief pitchers coming out of the Dodgers' bullpen. So, you know, you've got to figure out which area of your team can kind of carry you through this time as – the front office conceivably, hopefully, is looking to make those additions and reinforcements. But if it's not the offense, which oftentimes it has not been, there's just been too much inconsistency there. That's why I call on guys like Goldsmith. They've got to step it up on a regular basis. You can't have Paul Goldsmith OPSing 696. It's just not going to work if this team is going to go where they want to go. So... Credit to him for the double tonight, but there's you, you're gonna you're gonna need more of him, more from him, and you're gonna need power from him as well. Bullpen's not it's not sustainable to do what the bullpen has done, to be as shaky as it's been, especially in the middle innings, and in that second group. Even Hennissis Cabrera lately, who I was counting in that first group, the top tier along with Gallegos and Reyes, has looked a little shaky as of late. And so he's got to find a way to bring it back. You need Helsley's to step up. The junior Fernandez is to step up into the void. If if voids exist in the back end of the bullpen, somebody's got to be there to fill it. Because right now those are the two elements: the bullpen and the offense. They're going to have to carry you. Because I don't think it's going to be the rotation anymore. I just don't think they've got the horses right now in that group. I think they've got to be looking to make some additions. And if you're thinking about the young prospects that could maybe come in to save the day, Matthew Libertor has not been that guy yet. You look in, at his numbers in Memphis; it hasn't. He hasn't been that guy yet. He's still feeling his way through. Zach Thompson, same way. The two lefties. I don't. You could see these guys at some point in the season. I just don't think that that's going to be the answer right now because they just haven't performed at the other level. So I, I don't know what allows you to think that they might be able to to make that leap right now. So. We'll have to wait and see what it looks like, whether the Cardinals are able to facilitate some moves, and whether the group that they have is able to kind of hold serve, I would say, until such time that they can find some reinforcements. Cardinals are still in a solid position right now after the win over the Dodgers, looking at 31 wins, 24 losses on the season. Look, you know, this is an NL Central division that we knew would be kind of competitive top to bottom with the exception of... Of the Pirates, the Reds are also looking pretty questionable at this point in time. Three-team race, Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility right now, though. The Cubs, eight of their last ten to overtake the Cardinals by half a game in the division. The Brewers, three games up over the 500 mark, two and a half back in the division. So, those three teams are right there. you got to beat up on those teams. You've got to basically tread water in the other games just to be able to let your front office know, which they should know it already. They went out and got Nolan Arenado. But say, hey, the onus is on you guys to have to add to this. We're gonna have to have some help because no team can withstand the kind of injuries the Cardinals have had. And now you lose your ace. So that's that's serious business. We'll see how the Cardinals respond, especially on the field, but in the front office as well, as they look to to make a run still for this this twenty twenty-one season. They've got the pieces. They've got the core of this team, but it's going to have to be supplemented in one way or another if the Cardinals are going to get where they want to go. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Appreciate you guys for joining me once again. We'd love to have you subscribe, get you on board for the full season if you've not made that leap already. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find B-Shape Daily there. So subscribe, give us a review, let us know what you think of the show. Appreciate you guys as always, but that's going to do it for this one. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shave Daily.